Hello and welcome to NetCast, an in-depth approach to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Mark Hatfield, and I hope that you are encouraged by our studies in the Word of God. We welcome your feedback and hope that you will be a regular part of our listening audience. Please stand by for today's message. Thank you again for coming back to join us on the NetCast podcast. We're going to be picking up where we left off last time in our study on being rooted in Christ. Before we begin, though, I do have to give you the answer to our trivia question from the first episode. I asked you how the Garden of Eden was watered. And while there were rivers that flowed near the Garden of Eden, the correct answer is that God watered the garden from a mist that used to rise from the ground. We're going to talk about this and so much more in this episode today. Lesson one, as promised, is titled, The Root of Being Rooted. The Bible begins by saying that in the beginning, God created, Genesis 1.1. If we're going to get back to our roots, we have to start with this fundamental verse. What we learn is that God actually spent a few days, six to be exact, creating the necessary components for things to be able to grow. If the order of creation had been different, the environment would not have been conducive for sustainable growth. We look and we see that God made light, and then land, and water, and then separated the water from the land. In other words, God made light, soil, and water. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 5, and 6, which is actually a parallel account of Genesis 1 in that creation story, Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. You see, now that there were ideal conditions for seeds to take root, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds and it was so genesis 1:11 this concept of things taking root is introduced very early in the bible there is no need to start a discussion on what came first the seed or the plant the acorn or the oak the fact is god created The text continues, and God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. And it was so, Genesis 1, 24. And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. God intended for humankind to produce after its own kind in his image, and that is why he made them male and female. Even amongst plants, there are male and female counterparts, and they are necessary to fertilize one another. This is why homosexuality is said to be against nature, according to the teachings of the Bible, and all of these discussions about transgender and all the various components that are being thrown out there today are against nature. Romans 1, 26 and 27. You cannot reproduce according to the will of God in such cases. But notice that in the reproductive language of plants, he uses the terms fruitful and multiply. 
The man provides the seed and the offspring develops in the woman. Whether she is provided with a male child or a female child, as long as humans produce after their kind, we will not cease to exist. This is exactly what most plants do, as one seed produces a fruit or a flower with enough seeds in it to multiply itself. We also started from the ground, man did, harvested by God in creation, from the dust, and we are intended to produce after our kind. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being or soul. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2, 6-8 through Man, who is also born of a seed, was placed, or if you'll let me use the term planted, on this earth. It says so in Jeremiah 11:17 and Jeremiah 12 and verse 2. And we are intended to have deep roots, not in the stationary immobile manner where we are fixed in one specific place, but in digging deeper into the purpose for why we're here and staying connected or rooted to the rich blessings of God that only he can provide. The only problem with this garden scene is that many of us are familiar with how the story of man unfolds. We're very aware of a tree that was planted in the garden where we were placed originally that we weren't allowed to eat. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil stood opposite the tree of life. God commanded that in the day that we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we would surely die. The passage reads, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Genesis 2, 15-17 In other words, if man sinned, because God is holy, he cannot fellowship with sin. He would have to drive man out of the garden where the tree of life would no longer be accessible. Man would not only know spiritual death, being separated from a relationship with God, but he would eventually age to the point where he would suffer physical death. So our very first dilemma was whether we would obey God and stay rooted in that place that he gave to us, experiencing life, or if we were going to disobey God and suffer the consequence of being uprooted and moved away from the blessings and benefits of being fed by the Lord, suffering both physical and spiritual death. Now, before we review the choice that man made, let us return to the text and see that there was another dilemma because everything made had a comparable mate or one after its own kind with which to reproduce, and yet mankind did not, according to Genesis 2 and verse 20. The text states, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Genesis 2.18, Genesis 2.21-22. Adam, the first man, responded to the creation of woman, saying, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2, 23 and 24. 
The idea of one flesh has much to do with the reproductive process as we will see in discussing the seed types later in our study. So man did exactly what he was supposed to do in loving his wife, and he took the time to explain to her all of the edicts of God in reference to the Garden of Eden. So what did the first man and woman decide to do with their freedom and the fellowship with God in that garden? Well, after a close reading of the text, we learned that they chose death. Man was duped by the temptations of Satan, and instead of cherishing the presence of God and the fulfilling relationship with his wife, enjoying the beauty of the garden where he was planted, he gave it all up. Adam was told by the evil one that he would be like God and that God was withholding something from his people rather than giving him full disclosure. So he preferred to take the risk of losing Eden and forfeited fellowship with God over simply trusting God. The event unfolded in this way. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Genesis 3, 1 and 2. That is not what God said at all. He twists God's words and gets mankind to think about their limitations rather than their freedoms and the blessings that they already enjoyed. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Genesis 3.3 Interestingly, God never said you shouldn't touch it. But when Satan is around, he will get us to misquote the word of God as well. But there is some wisdom in her view. If you can't eat it, don't touch it. This might be a good spiritual lesson for us today. Many people see how close they can get to sin without actually sinning. Perhaps that is the sin in itself. We need boundaries. We need to adhere to the Word of God. Satan then adds to the Word of God by stating partial truths and using conflicting statements. The serpent said to the woman, You, sh you surely will not die. Listen to his language. You surely will not die. The exact opposite of what God said. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, verse 4. They were already like God. Remember, they were made in His image. Their eyes were already open to the things God wanted them to see, which only included good things. And they could even experience God, walking with them in the cool of the day, and enjoy the vastness of His rich blessings. Was Satan actually telling the truth when he said that they would know good and evil? Absolutely, yes. But you see, up to this point, they only knew life in abundance and the good things that come with it. Why would you want to know evil? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And the Bible says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Genesis 3, 6 and 7. Man had forfeited everything. He disobeyed God. The first man and his wife not only touched, but took and tasted of the forbidden fruit. At that moment, they knew that they were naked and removed leaves from a fig tree nearby to cover themselves. And then they hid behind the trees of the garden. I want to remind us that when God first brought the woman to the man, they were already naked, but they were not ashamed. The difference here is, after having their eyes opened, they realize that they're naked. 
Now keep this in mind. The Lord came looking for Adam and his wife, and they were hiding because they were naked, and they knew it for the very first time. Now the blame then began to be passed from one to the other, from Satan to the woman to the man, and everybody was blaming everybody else until God simply told them of their plight. We all know this is Adam's sin as the leader of his home, but ultimately the consequences for sin are shared by everyone involved, including me and you who have also sinned. The Lord pronounced the curses of sin, and in particular, that there would be enmity between the seed of a woman and the seed of Satan. Now, up to this point, you may have had a hard time understanding why we're studying this in light of a study on being rooted in Christ. Listen, until you understand the enmity that exists between the seed of Satan and the seed of a woman, you won't understand the need for a Savior. And the Bible says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Now listen to this next part. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3, 15. This not only shows that the woman also had seed, and these are her offspring, but it also shows that Satan will have his own children or seed that would make him their father, the father of lies, and they would live for his evil intentions. This was the beginning of the battle that exists even today between good and evil. It is also the first announcement of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Eventually, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be born of a virgin, and righteousness would win after taking a light wound to the heel. As in the process, the head of Satan would be crushed. The serpent of old was told in advance of his defeat and of the consequences of his temptation of mankind in leading them to sin. On his belly he would go for the remainder of his life, and he would be cursed more than all other living creatures. The world has never been the same since these words were spoken. Even after the messianic promises have been fulfilled in Christ and his death on the cross, the world will forever be changed. Now we must face the battle that still rages between evil and righteousness to make certain that we are in Christ and we have our sins washed away so that we may have the ability to dwell with God eternally. Adam's sin led to the death of all men because all have sinned, but in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Adam's sin would forever alter the way this world would operate, but the overall plan was to redeem the world through Jesus. What happens next in our history is extremely critical. The Lord tells the woman that in bearing the seed of man, her pain would be multiplied until the offspring, her seed, was born. For the man and working the seed that was planted in the soil, the difficulty of his work would be increased because of thorns and thistles that would now grow up with his crops. He would work by the sweat of his brow in order to simply eat bread. Now get this point because it's probably the most important one in the whole lesson. Both the man and the woman would experience labor pains when growing seeds as a result of their sin. Mankind was then informed that the very ground that he worked would be the place to which he would return in physical death, dust to dust. The Lord at this point made animal skin coverings for the man and his wife, Genesis 3, 21. The fig leaves were not acceptable to cover their nakedness. Their nakedness represented by sin, and the only thing that can remit or atone for sin is blood, Hebrews 9.22, for without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. 
So this is the first evidence of a blood sacrifice on account of sins, as an animal had to be killed to provide the skins that they would now put on to cover their nakedness. This is also symbolic of how the coming seed of Jesus Christ will become the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world and will deal the final death blow to the head of Satan. We who are Christians are clothed in Christ. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world was coming, according to John 1, 29 and 33. But until then, the whole of mankind would operate as the life of a flower, appearing for a short time and then dying. Psalm 103, 15, 1 Peter 1, 24. Just because the sin of man is covered, another word for covered is atoned, does not mean that we don't have consequences that will follow our actions of disobedience. God moved the man and his wife away from the garden, and from that time to this very day, it has been our aim to find our way back to the tree of life and have this intimate fellowship with God again. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Genesis 3. 23 and 24. God knew that if man would eat of the tree of life, he would live forever. And at this point, man was not worthy as a sinner against a holy God. I have a question for you. Where is the tree of life today? How can we get back to intimate fellowship with God? Does anyone know? In the book of Revelation, we are promised that if we overcome sin in this life, that we will one day be granted to eat from the tree of life. Revelation 2 and verse 7. This was stated to a congregation of Christians that the Lord had a message for. I want to make this very practical for us. As his people, we also find that if we enter the paradise of God, that we will have full access to the fruit and the leaves of the tree of life and all of its lasting benefits, where we will reign with the Lord forever and ever. Revelation 22, 1-5, Revelation 22, 14 and 15. We have stated the purpose for introducing the subject of being rooted. If we, like Adam, choose after being planted here by the Lord to live in disobedience and we do not walk in the newness of life bearing fruit for the Lord, we will forever be separated from him, away from his glorious presence in eternal death. God does not want anyone to perish or in using our illustration of a tree that produces bad fruit that is eventually cut down and cut off and thrown into the fire. He wants us to live eternally with him. If we are firmly established in the Lord and we do not allow sin to overcome us, but overcome the evil with good, we will enjoy the abundance of God's paradise once again. Thank you for listening. All right, well, this concludes week two of our podcast. We do want to end with trivia. And the question for this week is, what were the names and occupations of the first two children born to Adam and Eve? We'll discuss this and the significance of those occupations next time. The lesson title for next week is Starter Seeds, and we'll continue in the book of Genesis. Please take a moment to send a comment, ask a question, or provide feedback. You could have the opportunity to be a part of future episodes. I would also appreciate your financial support for this effort to offer in-depth spiritual teaching to encourage a closer walk with the Lord. Consider a small monthly gift. Thank you and may God bless you richly in Christ Jesus, our Lord.